bad, immoral, and wrong. This is the Modern Eater Show. Piping hot and delicious. The Modern Eater. Food, 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 food. And now your hosts, Greg Hollenbeck, Jay Parker, and Brian Freeman. Okay, why not? Here we are, live from Rocker Spirits in downtown Littleton. Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, Brian Freeman, Little Rich, I think he's on his way. And uh, no Dave Avery tonight, but this is what's really cool. Busy October shaping up, Brian. Yes, it is. Really busy. We've got a lot of projects that we're working on. And um, we've been wanting to get back over here for a little while. Without further ado, Dustin. Dustin from Rocker, how are good you? Good evening, gentlemen, and as always. <laughs> good to good see evening, you. Boy, we've had some good times out on this patio. It has, it has. You guys always liven it up when you come in, and it's always an occasion. As the years go by, right? Yes. We're a little over three three years, three months now. Three years. Wow, three Dustin, months. congratulations. Time flies, but then it doesn't, right? No, it's uh, a test in perseverance and patience. So how many barrels are ready? Did you have any started before for you guys? Um, we are, we have produced... Zero barrels ready. Zero barrels ready. 240 in the fold. Uh, it's two, yeah, 248, I believe 48. Yeah. Wow, congratulations. Well, so it's got to start coming on here soon for you. Yeah, actually, I believe uh, January 8th is the maturity of our first barrel at three years. Wow, congrats. And man. if it's ready to barrel or bottle, excuse me, we'll do it. If we got not. a cool night tonight, obviously... Um, at Rocker Spirits right now, broadcasting on our iHeart affiliate 630 KHOW in Denver, but also streaming live on Facebook. Check out the Facebook feed because you're going to be able to see all the coolness that Rocker is. And as this distillery that sits in, uh, it, there's not really a distillery in, in in any distance from us, is there? No, um, there is another one that just started in, uh, it's 5280, out more Sims, Ken Carl area, but it actually has a Littleton zip, so... Uh, I would say it's at least five, seven miles from here. Yeah, so when we say distillery, we're talking which spirits? They, uh, they're they doing a you, bourbon. You, you, oh, you. We're doing, we do a bourbon, a whiskey, and then we do uh, rum and vodka. Yeah. Are you aging any rum back there? We are. We put our rum, so our rum is 100% cane sugar product, and then we just put it in used whiskey barrels, so it's not back-sweetened with any sugar or molasses. It's just the whiskey barrel and the cane sugar working together. Yeah, nice. and you have a nice tasting room here yes. as well. Yeah. So as far as the distillery goes, tasting room, I think, is very important and essential, but you have a few restrictions upon you being a distillery. What are those? What kind of ingredients can your bartenders, John and TJ, use? Well, as being a distilled spirits plant or producer, um, we're only allowed to serve what we make. So we have to compound our own gins, our own bitters, and things like that. We can't just go out and get Campari and things like that. So we're somewhat limited in what we do, which actually has been somewhat of a cool blessing. Yeah. Our guys get very creative with what they do. Your menu, and we're going to go over that. The The full value is on the Facebook Live because we're going to show you the drinks. We're going to show you a tour of Rocker itself on the inside and out. We've had some great block parties out front here. Um, Rocker has just really turned into kind of that uh, meeting place in Littleton. It has. I mean, it's been fun. I mean, when I set out to do it, I wanted to create an experience. Come here and see how we make it. See how we barrel age it how we proof it, how we bottle it, and then sit in a cool space with family and friends and have a great time. And, and that helps you build that brand. Well, it's Kyle, funny he yeah. says that 
you guys, I have had so many friends come down here that, I mean, I tell everyone, but I'll see my Facebook friends that I haven't spoke to in yeah. years posting up at your place, Dustin. Oh, it's pretty great cool. to see that. Um, I think it's not yeah. a secret anymore. The, the word is out. And you're seeing folks, this is fairly a destination spot. It is somewhat, yeah. I mean, we're tucked away a little bit off of the beaten path of Main Street. We're one block north of downtown Littleton. Um, once people discover where we're at, though, they, they keep coming back and... And that's a, a testament to the staff here with the cocktails and hopefully the whiskey they like. Yeah, build quite a community. The staff that you have here is fantastic, and I think we can just start with your head distiller, uh, Nick Hutchinson. Yes. What a guy he is. He is aces, man. Uh, Nick is just a treasure for me. He's just, I, I look at him as my little brother. He's just solid, solid guy, intelligent beyond belief and hardworking. And Has he ever had a bad day? Oh, yeah. He's a blessed guy. <laughs> but he doesn't stay there very long. Yeah. He bounces back really well, and uh, that's well, that's great. Dustin, one of your guys helped you build this place because, I mean, one of the things that I always used to talk about, what you know, one of the things that your passion, you know, is building. And that's, as you look around this place, you know, soup to nuts, up and down, this place is just gorgeous, hand-forged. But then, I, look, I you know, I was just sitting out here looking at your sign and saying, that thing will last, I mean, beyond the cockroaches. Which You've built this thing. Look at right in front of you, man. Look at this. Yeah, it, it's it. on an I-beam up there, that sign there that says uh, Rocker Spirits. And and it's just, I mean, it's an attestament to how solid of a foundation you put together, I think, with your program. Are you showing this, Jay? Well, I like that. I just, you know, I just, I love old vintage Americana, and I just want to kind of, that's that's me and that's what i feel our brand is is just that vintage look and feel and and industrial so well but it's solid i mean deeper than that i mean well and and i guess you could go back to a time when you know cars were built out of steel and Absolutely. we you know we we lived in a much different world 50 years ago um, not always the most efficient, but definitely, you know, some of those old engines are still around, and I wouldn't put that to any aluminum block necessarily out there. Uh, right. When I talk about our brand, I really try to say we want to create a generational brand, not something that's going to be here today and gone in a couple years. I want someone to say, you know, my father used to drink here. My father drank rocker. My kids drink rocker legally. Legal drinking, Legal drinking guys. <laughs> but uh, I just want to build a generational brand, and like you say, it has to be on a solid, sound foundation. Yeah, well, you really have done that here, so congratulations. Oh. I mean, Dustin, I've always been a support. fan of yours since we met. I mean, you're just, as far as a, a, you were a solid, solid person, as well as, well, you know. Well, put up with us for three years. Well, Greg would say <laughs> I stocky builds, you know, and I'm solid. You are solid. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a lot tonight. We've got some folks here. Um, out live from Rocker Spirits, downtown Littleton. What's the address, Dustin? 5587 South Hill. Yeah, you're open for business right now. Yeah, Come Wednesdays through Saturdays, 5 to 11 is our tasting room, and then Sundays, 11 to 5. Walking yeah. distance from Light Rail. You Absolutely, a walk and, and a half from here. Light Rail Station. Yep. We have some neighbors of yours just down the street, and it's a brewery. It's called Locavore. Never heard of them. Yeah, I know. yeah they're good dudes over <laughs> there. They're Great. Here, they're here with us tonight, and Jason and Andy will join us on the show. And they also did a, um, a barrel age in one of Rocker's barrels. Yes. Yeah. Excited to taste that. Um, we'll be we the know first. it's been, yeah, it's, uh, tonight is going to be tapped and gone. 
we'll do um, a first tasting of that. And then it's kind of an all-drinking show tonight with um, at Rocker Spirits. We're going to go through and highlight uh, a lot of their drinks here, which you'll really uh, love what they do. We're also going to talk some beer with Locavore. And then um, kombucha. Yeah, Dustin, you never drink kombucha in your life. I absolutely have. You have? You, how do you think I built this temple? You don't like it. I mean, it, though, I take good care of it. No, know? there is some kombucha that I do like. There's some that, I'll be honest, it, it has a little bit of a bitter taste, but there is some kombucha out there that is phenomenal. So, so you're not down with the the app, the vinegary. Yeah, yeah, that, I don't that like stuff. That I, I'm not a guy that likes bitter. Yeah. So, yeah. I sprung kombucha on Nick. He knew the acronym of what kombucha or uh, SCOBY stands for. SCOBY. Yeah, did you know that's an acronym for something? Well, I know what an acronym is. I did not know what that is. <laughs> what is it, Nick, Greg? No, tell, I, tell I don't know it. I mean, I've heard it. Oh, then how would you times. know that Nick even right. knew what it was? Well, because well, maybe it, he was just blowing smoke. I've heard it from Dave a few times. Oh, okay. Of, of what SCOBY stands for. So I, I would not go to task with Nick on Trivial Pursuit. He is. And who's Dave though? Dave is from uh, Trubucha. Or we'll call Matt, him Mark. Matt, Mark. We'll, we can call him Mark, Matt, Dave. We Whoever you guys want to call him. We see, can... Hold on. Wait. Let me just stop He'll the show Mark. for just, just before we go to I break. am relishing it, in this it, right now. Any opportunity. <laughs> Brian is the worst with anybody's name. His own name. We were, no, true. He called himself Brian Eater. More yeah, than once. More than once. And so it, he jumped all he over. He lives, breathes, and eats the brand. Yes. That's I, all, man. He's just passionate. first opportunity. He's passionate. <laughs> as much as we're highlighting fantastic beverages tonight, there's something really cool that's happening Absolutely. here. My I, my heart just lit up when I saw Chef Chito Ariola walking with a big tray full of delicious food, bites from this truck that you have parked out front of Rocker Spirits. And there it is, Chef Chito yeah. on the job, making delicious food. We're Another gonna... boss dude, man. That kid works. I just love his work ethic and his talent and his Not creativity. Not going to show you yet, Brian. Oh, come on. Not going to show you yet. <laughs> We've got a lot of cool stuff to show you. Uh, tune in on our Facebook feed. We do need to take a break. Live from Rocker Spirits, Greg Hollenbeck, Brian Freeman, Jay Parker, and, of course, Dustin Evans right here at Rocker Spirits. We'll be back in a flash. Please uh, listen to a few fu- uh, kind words from our sponsors. Okay, back live from uh, Rocker Spirits, downtown Littleton. Dustin Evan joins us here, and we're just uh, chopping it up, catching up all the latest and greatest. And one of the best things here right now is the addition to Chef Chito Ariola. And we were just talking about, uh, first of all, his career. Wow. I mean, that guy has... Uh, He's on fire, man. I will tell you. There, I haven't seen a chef who has like, pulled into, one, so many different events, so many different venues, and... And basically, wherever he goes, someone is offering him a job or a spot. He smashes. He just smashes. And the reason he's pulled in is his work ethic. First and foremost, his work ethic. And then his talent just takes it from there. Yeah, bar none. Yeah. It's just, and he's he's just a genuine guy. I mean, I'll tell you, every... There's just no bones about it. Cheeto really tries to pull all the local community together, together. Every time he gets invited into something new... All of his all of his partners know they're going to get an introduction. I mean, everyone around Cheeto, just because he's such an incredible guy, he just wants all ships to really rise. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, most distilleries don't have the luxury of that no. to have food in general, and you've gone through some, you know, just trying to some evolutions. It out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a learning curve. Definitely, the food industry is definitely a 
it's a tough industry. I've always heard that, but just finding Cheeto was just a blessing. Just as John and TJ at the bar and Nick, I am just so fortunate and so just grateful I have people that make us look well. We have a little um, video here, Jay. I don't know if you can throw this video on here on Facebook. We'll show it, but we'll describe it. It's just Chef Cheeto uh, plugging away with some new creations, but he put together a poke bowl for us. And uh, this is Chef Cheeto in action putting that. And, and, and to think, you know, would you have ever thought this would be on your menu here at a distillery? Oh, I'm waiting for sushi next. I'm ready. I mean, you're real Well, I'll tell you, that poke bowl he gave me, that's just, that's basically the closest thing to a big bowl of sushi you're going to eat. Right. I, mean, I, I love that. That's that was good. Great ingredients. And our and and the response and the reception that his stuff is getting here is just phenomenal. People come in and they are amazed. You got pokey. Mm-hmm. They're looking at us. Man, these sliders are unbelievable. The food, just the flavor and the simplicity, but the delivery of it and execution is awesome. Look at how delicious that is. Now, Brian, you had a chance to sample that. Uh, it was tasty. The the is that fish teriyaki was super right there? fresh. You know, I, I'm not sure if that is teriyaki or not. I know it had a, a little uh, chili spice in it. We'll have a with, um, It was really good. But, hey, you know, I mean, I, I would go back to this thing. We were, we were doing a show the other night about a food hall, Dustin, and one of the things that the they said is there's three main ingredients, burgers, tacos, pizza. and uh, pizza. But everybody and, knows that. Right? Well, I but mean. the reality is, is what's so cool is Cheeto's got two of them nailed here. Yes. I mean, he's got the burgos and, burgers and the tacos, you know, nailed and then he's got those little pupusas or what what is he calling those things uh with bow they buns were, the bow well buns. no the ones that were stuffed like almost like a oh. pierogi or something like that i mean it was yeah he did a corn one with uh sour cream and jalapenos look at that final product wow. yeah yeah good stuff what's that cost do you know i most all of his stuff is right in the five to seven dollar range i mean the price point couldn't be better and the Probably quality of the too food low i mean not to give away a secret where to get some great food for yeah. inexpensive. Yes. I mean, all of these bites, look at those nachos, and you've got a good, there's Paolo putting together in the black from the spice who, guy who on the that? burgers. Who was that? Paolo? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, all right. He's going two for Paola. two tonight? Wow. Paolo. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Paola. I'm just, you know. Paolo. Yeah. 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 You didn't say that? It's yeah. like kombucha, yeah. you know. You, you said Pablo like Escobar. Uh, <laughs> Brian Eater. <laughs> Brian Eater. <laughs> Brian Eater here. That's the good food, though. Right there. So you get the delicious drinks and spirits. Yeah. And, I mean, it was just like, if I'm going to go to a place like Sushi Gin Den or a place for steak, I'm going there for that. And then I'm going to have a cocktail. People come here for a cocktail, and then they have food. Oh, that's a secondary thing. But now the food is kind of starting to run neck and neck with it because they know they can get a good quality product in food and drink here. Show this picture of the the distillery. In Isn't the, that beautiful? There's all my children sleeping there. Uh, and you look at it, and, and you know, at first blush, you just have a row of barrels there, but that goes what six aisles deep? Five, yeah, it's six, six deep. Six um, deep. Yeah. So, so wait, I see something in there again. You've got the rum barrels. How long will you age those? I didn't get to that before, Dustin. Um, minimum. Uh, minimum aging. What we want to do here is three years on everything. Minimum. If we oh can. really? Okay. Yeah. Except for some of the specialty stuff, if you look at the top above the rum barrel there, just see just the corner of it. That is our um, bourbon that we put in the wine barrels. So that's the port finish. So that'll be six to nine months. But that's a finishing. It's already a three-year-old product, and then we put it in for a finishing in 
there. For just six to nine months, you say? Yeah. In the finished product. Okay. So about where you see that rum barrel on the left, six about six rows back, that's where you'll find barrel number one. Yes, sir. Just waiting. Yes. And uh, we had an opportunity to get a little teeny dip of it. I don't know, maybe a year back or something. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was perfect then. Drink like a scotch to me. Um, but no, continue on. We were talking to Nick as he was moving some barrels around and said, Nick, you know, when's the due date? You know, when's it ready? I thought you would have that dialed in, Dustin. Like, you know, it's on your calendar. You've got an alarm set for it on your iPhone or your, your uh, Blueberry or whatever you, Blackberry. Really, a blueberry? That's blueberry, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Umpalumpa over there. But what, February 7th? That's Veruca. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, in the way that Nick talks about it, and I just, I give them the autonomy, just like the our barge staff. Nick is, says, when it's ready, it's ready, and it's going to be taste, and it's going to be driven by that palate and that reproducibility. Sure, if we just want to draw a line in the sand, as soon as we cross that finish line, we can bottle it. It might not be a great product if it doesn't taste right. We want it to represent that flavor profile that we can consistently produce. See, that's where I get confused a little bit. I think it's so subjective, really. It is. Isn't it? I agree. And I guess you have to go with Nick's taste? You have to? Well, Nick is not the only one. There's a, there's three or four of us are back there, John, myself, Nick, and we taste through those barrels, and we say we just give them a, you know, just simple things, spice, oak, you know, caramel, and heat. And those are the things. And if we can take those and just make those markers, and every time our palates are tasting that same thing, we should have a pretty tight consistency. But it's called craft distilling because not every barrel, every batch is going to be the same. Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, they're blending hundreds if not thousands of barrels at a time. So the ability to keep a consistent flavor profile is much easier for them than it is us. Dustin, what can you do? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. What can you do this late in the game to, if there's something that you don't like, is it just wait it out? Is there, I mean, is there anything that you could do different adding air, you know, adding, you know, like you said, you can't add caramel, but could you add a stave? Is there anything that you could do this late in the game to really change the flavor or fix, that, fix it a, if you didn't like that'd it. be a better question for nick to answer answer completely but what i understand is it's just time it's just okay. time because if we start putting staves in how do we how do we gauge which barrel gets a stave which one doesn't we want those barrels to pr- produce as they will sometimes they just need to be blended in and balanced with another barrel that is a little spicy this one's a little bit more caramel this one's okay oak. and that's where that blending of nick's palate and and everything gives us that consistent flavor profile so straight barrels are you going to sell any straight barrels to someone who's you know are you going to let some people come in and say hey this is mine i like this flavor absolutely there's we have some barrel programs that some of the liquor stores are wanting to have a a single barrel that that all the product coming out of that barrel goes to that store and then we will do some single barrel stuff just in-house too that will only be to the public and it'll be a special release and then we'll let some of them go into four years so we can do some bottle, bond and bottled. What would product. a range cost? You know, if I came in here and said, hey, Dustin, I want one of those barrels. What would that, what's the range of pricing oh, and that you're looking at? I mean, you know, there's barrel programs all over town that people are doing. And they're anywhere. Some people are paying 10 grand. 75 to, you know, 10 grand. I've heard some okay. people doing that. Um, and you're really trying to figure out where that barrel proof starts at. And then bottle proof. 
because they can't come in here and just with a two-wheel dolly and load up that barrel and roll it out and put it in their truck. That's right, because it you're taxed has on the to proof. be bottled. So we have to put it in a unitized measurement that that, that can be taxed. Okay. And then they could take all those bottles home and pour them back in that barrel. Gotcha. You know. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So. That's. I mean, I, isn't this Greg? Do you know all this stuff? No, I'm just sitting here listening and learning as we go along here. I do know that. Um, I, I think that there's a benefit to the inconsistency. I would agree. I think that's what makes it craft. That's what makes it unique. And not every batch of beer is going to be exactly the same. And some people may have a favorite to them. I mean, we barrel on certain days. We've barreled on my birthday. Nick's birthday, we buried, or we barreled on the eclipse, um, Halloween. We just have some different dates, and it's kind of fun to look back at those days. And then we can look at time of the year of harvest of the corn that we got and the rye. And the Is wheat. all that documented? Yes, absolutely. So it, we're, we're governed federally. We're not governed state or local. So the TTB could come in and audit us. And if we say that this is a bourbon barrel, we would have to produce our mash bill of what went into that mash, how much corn, how much wheat, how much rye, or whatever. And then we have to show them our distillation notes where we started our collection and where we finished our collection, did our tails cut. And then when we bottled or barreled it, excuse me, we have to show them the barrel proof. Is that that program that yes. you showed me at that one point where Still all of those, yeah, the statistics were yeah, yeah it, it constantly? I mean, yeah, and it's it's awesome because it gives us the intellectual pro, you know, uh, intellectuals to, to show be able a to body say, of work. Yeah, say, man, this was a barrel that we did this way and it yielded this and these ones, and then two is we can go back and when we get a grain delivery, we have to log all the grain that comes in because the TTB has to see the grain. Because it has to all add up. You say you use 700 pounds of corn over here. Well, you, you only brought in five. Or you did this. When barrels show up, we have to log the barrels in, too. So it is a brand new American white oak barrel. So all that is part of our audit. All that is numbered, the barrels even. Absolutely. To where yes. it comes, uh, there's some database somewhere that shows that that barrel came out brand new. Yep. It's got a number to it, and it was shipped to Rocker Spirits yep. in Littleton. Yep, yep. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's it's the fun part of it. Yeah. All the all those little nuances in the, in the whiskey industry is just what what I yeah. love, the Americana that's all twisted and tied up into let's it. Let's take a break and talk, uh, come back and let's talk about, I, really, I like to geek out in this way. Let's talk about all that's involved in actually putting a barrel of whiskey together. Awesome, Greg Eater. <laughs> that's Brian Eater. <laughs> oh. All right, Greg Allenbacker and Brian Eater here. Uh, that was good when you did that last week. Inside joke, but Brian yeah. was at the, the wine festival and doing a great job of emceeing that. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll give you the cliff note version, then we can take a break. But here's 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 the things. He, and God love him, and he's such a good sport. Yes, he did a sweetheart. great job. But So he did Brian Eater. He did, uh, we were in uh, we were in Palisade, but he said, pay, Paonia. he said Paonia. <laughs> and everybody's like, well, what? And he's like, ah. I know, know he was like Axel and then, Rose uh, in, in Orange County. And then when he what was, was the other Amsterdam. one? Like he said, Empanada and they were eating risotto or something like that, you know? Oh, I'll have to see. You did a I'll food one. Yeah. He was <laughs> like, how are those empanadas, you know, when they were having risotto? Top of the hour, Locavore is going to come on. Locavore Brewing Company is here with us. And uh, Jason and Andy. Yeah. 
are Andy Nelson and yeah. Jason Reinhardt. Hey, you know, if we had a producer that wrote those things <laughs> down for us. Hey, listen, the producer you have is the, that's the best. That's the yeah, best that he's got. You're doing a great job, you know. Jay. Uh, yeah. Try and check us out on Facebook Live, and we'll wrangle uh, Cheeto. Hopefully, did you get an? Uh, I got a camera in there on his stuff. Oh, you do. Yeah. Fantastic. I'd like to get Cheeto on the yeah, air in, in in the kitchen, but we'll take a break now. What time is it? We're a little behind. 6.30. We'll break now. 6.30 on 6.30 KHOW, iHeartRadio Station. Take a break. Come right back to Rocker Spirits right here on the Modern Eater Show. Carly Smith, huh? Don't you, though? Yeah, absolutely. How did she get I Love Your Guts? Was that she was saying the opposite to Jay you? Jay probably and then she just prompted her you to pushed say her that, over the edge? Uh, I just cut up. I had her talking about a bunch of different stuff, and then I just go in and cut mm-hmm. out, you know, funny things. Oh. I try I try to make people laugh and say something bizarre knowing that I'm going to cut up part of it and use that in a liner. Mm. Did a great job, Jay. Brilliant. Back to Rocker Spirits in downtown Littleton. Dustin, that was good. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I mean, good. Nobody would say that about your whiskey. Brilliant, man. Brilliant whiskey. Oh, thanks. There's a lot that goes into making whiskey, though, right? I mean, there it, is. I mean, it's like I say, it's a game of perseverance and patience. What and, got you into the business? You know, just I, more I, money than you knew, knew what to do with, <laughs> or time on your hands. You don't like to yeah. sleep. Yeah. I like that look anxiety. I love anxiety. <laughs> I love the ride of the train of anxiety. You know. <laughs> Um, no, it's just um, I've been I've drank whiskey since I was a kid, and I just always loved it. I'm not as big a beer fan as that, and I've always loved spirits. And then the idea was posed to me, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know if this is what I really want to spend the next 10 years of my life doing. But I began to research the industry, and what I fell in love with was the people. The people in this are badass. They're maverick, entrepreneurial, spirited people. And then the history behind the whiskey yeah. and bourbon, it is such an American staple and the history and all that. Just, I love that. I love the Americana. I've said this so many times. It's just. Well, back you know. to the people, though, that to me is like partnerships. Absolutely. Because you really have to have quite a few partnerships because it to make a, a distilled spirit and in particular what you're making doesn't yeah. come. Uh, yeah. You can't do it by yourself. No, it's a community. It is basically community you know people you are at, like ingredients right yeah and, and and those relationships prop you up through the years you lean on them they lean on you but that's the way i grew up small town community and so like all our corn our wheat and our rye comes from colorado let's comes, go can we do distilling a to z you start off you say okay here we are rocker spirits we're going to open obviously you've got to put in equipment what do you put in well first you really got to decide what you're going to be that's i mean we we've, we've been consulting with five or six different groups here in the last six months. And the first thing question I tell them, what do you want to be? What's your why? What is your why? That's exactly right. Are you going to be, do you want to do distribution? Are you just going to be a small group? Because you want to size your equipment accordingly because you want to be a one-to-one ratio. So if you're going to do a a mash, we have a 600-gallon mash. You want to have fermenters that you do one mash, one ferment, one ferment, one distillation for efficiencies of utilities, time, and effort. So you really want to sit down and break that down and, and understand what you're going to do. If you're going to just, like one group out of uh, New Mexico, they just want to supply enough spirits for their tap house because they're a microbrewer and a microdistillery. So they just want to do it for their patrons. They don't want to look at distribution. L- let me ask you something in that. In a lot of businesses, one of the things I've learned recently is is before you really even start the business, you should go out to the public and ask the public what the public, you know, in our, in yours, for sure, you know, in mine, to a big extent, people want food. 
so I'm, I'm bringing food. You know, people in your world want whiskey. But are there certain trends in that that you would go out to the consumer and say, because that's what really, if you're going to build a, a business that you can take advantage of what the market wants, you go out to the market Probably and you ask question, them. Brian. No, well, this is, I mean, and I think <laughs> you're getting it right. Yeah. That, that what would you ever do that in the, you know, in the world of whiskey, would you go out and would you say to the consumers, what are you really looking for? And then come back and, and build the whiskey around that. No, I I think there might be some you got to make nuances your brand, in that. Right? Yeah, you want to make your brand, but I think we look at historical data of what people like and what has stood the test of time. Like I said earlier, generational type of mentality. People drink Jack Daniels because my dad drank it and I've drank it, and and we want to create that generational brand. I so. think there's a fair question of. Um, what's your influence? Is there anything that you're trying to replicate or anything out there that really... Absolutely. You know, when we started, we knew we wanted to do a corn and wheat whiskey. It's a more approachable whiskey. Not everybody's palate enjoys a scotch or a malted style whiskey. And we wanted to open that door real wide. And we knew we wanted our whiskey to be a good blending whiskey working behind the bar and cocktail programs and stuff like that. You get a lot of scotches. It's hard to make a great scotch cocktail. Most scotch drinkers are just rocks or neat. Godfather. Right. right. <laughs> That's a good scotch so, cocktail. So when we did that, that was one of the first things. We knew we wanted to do a corn and wheat whiskey. It's a sweeter, more approachable whiskey. And we went out and tasted a bunch of that stuff and, and tried to narrow down that, that mash bill, mm-hmm. if you will. Then it's time to say, okay, what are we going to be? Are we going to be just a hobbyist? Or are we going to try to go to distribution? Mm-hmm. And we landed a little bit in the middle. If I had the knowledge I had now, when I made that decision, I would go as big as I could. If I had, really, I would because if we we have a 300 gallon still, if we had a 1500 gallon still, the time and effort per day would be this about two more dollars wow. or two more hours per day, and we would yield three Double. to five times That's the month. Yeah, and. It, when you start out, that's key because of the lag of the waiting period. If we can start pounding away 30, 40 barrels a week at the end of a year. Ooh, look at what John's bringing. Yes, a little good. Goodness. Yeah. So if we were able to pound away 300 barrels in the first year, in three years, we're going to have 300 mature barrels. That's the game that is the toughest part about this is if you do and you are successful in distribution, can you keep up with demand? Yeah. And well, are you, scaling. Yeah. Scaling are you emptying truly. the pond faster than you're yeah, filling it? And that's the really... So well, two minutes yeah. on, and, and just dust in time, two minutes on, now you know what you want to do. You got to go get your ingredients. Where do you start looking from? What are the things that you use and tried and true for you and Rocker? And then how do you actually get it in the barrel? And, and when do you know, know when you want to yank it? Yeah, so when we first started out, like I said, we knew we wanted to do a corn and wheat whiskey, and that was influenced by Nick. Nick is the guy I turned to. You are the savant in this. Let's let's step off this block. And I knew what I like, and we had a similar palate and a similar desire to do that. So we figured out there's two ways you can go about this. You can have a big pot of money and spend four years, do, spend 10 million bucks just distilling, and wait to four years to bottle. Or you can go out and try to source some stuff that is similar in what you're trying to build in mash and profile. And that's what we decided to do. We found a very good corn and wheat whiskey that was being made by a small micro distiller like us. And we were able to build a relationship where we could purchase barrels from him that were four years old 
that's how we launched. When we started producing ours, we started to try to break that down and produce something very similar. 70% corn, 30% wheat, a little bit of malted barley to start the sacrification process, and that's our mash for our bourbon. So then, got to go out and step off before you can even file your paperwork to become a distillery you have to have a 50% deposit on a still you have to have an address and a location your application will not even be processed until you have that serial number so immediately and that we, doesn't even guarantee approval that's true holy cow and then we have to go risk. through approval background check through the FBI and all that and you know, <laughs> surprisingly, Brian, I made it. Um, they must have missed something. But that no, house of yours in Montana, they never right. found that cabin. Yeah, eh? That's right. <laughs> but then you, you're, so it's a barrier to entry. They're not going to let you just say, well, maybe I'm going to do this. And it's kind of something, a spur of the moment. No, you have to be vested because that still is, you know, a quarter million dollar investment, your equipment. Wow. And you have to have that. So now we get approved. We start distilling. And... We went through the evolution of learning what products. We started getting some stuff from BSG, who's a big national brand that supplies a lot of product and grains and stuff to everybody. And then we stumbled across a family farm here in Colorado. It's a 112-year-old family farm that started to produce corn and wheat for distilling here. Wait, I think I know those girls. Yeah, they're not hard to look at, and they're great people. And they're called the Whiskey Sisters. And so we started getting all our corn and wheat from them. Conversely, what we were getting out of some of the other stuff that we were getting out of Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, we, what the unit of measure of sugar is, it's bricks. The higher the brick you get out of your mash, the more potential alcohol you can make. With the stuff we were getting from all those other places, we were getting... So I know something about that. What, what, what's your bricks level? Well, the, what we were getting out of Minnesota, Indiana, and Iowa was about 10 to 12 bricks. Okay. What we're getting out of the Whiskey Sisters, 17 to 19 bricks. Wow. That's not just a positive corporate spin. That's real dollars. So we're putting down about 12 more gallons of product per mash by getting our stuff right here. Now, that's Colorado. real stuff right there. Yeah. Now, what is this? What is this right here that we're drinking? It's all over Greg's face. I know. That's a good look for you, a big by the way, Greg. mustache. Yes, it is. Gosh. He usually has that, that, but it's late night. Um, what, what's going on with this? What is this flavor right here, Does That is a cocktail that John came up with. It's called the Beast of Burden. And it's our vodka, um, beet juice, some botanical uh, gin. Gosh, it's a beautiful is, cocktail. A wow. Then it's cocktail. got a ginger, uh, sour ginger float on top with some paprika. That is easy to drink. That could get you in trouble. Yeah, there, it's got friend. a few people That's in trouble. That's good stuff right there. Let's finish up that conversation, but we have to yes. uh, break to Chef Cheeto. We'll do a qu yeah. quick commercial break. Come back. Chef Cheeto is actually with us right now, so we want to hurry up and get back to him. We're live at Rocker Spirits right now. Greg Holland back, Brian Eater, Jay Parker, and Dustin Evans right here on the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Dustin Rocker. <laughs> and now it's time for In the Kitchen. How am I supposed to keep on feeding you? Kill people? Brought to you by Proud Souls Barbecue and Provisions. Award-winning competition cooks and purveyors of specialty barbecue supplies right here in Denver, Colorado. ProudSoulsBBQ.com. Feed me all night long. Mark your calendars. It's October 20th. Well, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> October 17th. It's a Thursday, and uh, we're going to be doing a great bash at the Modern Eater Studio Kitchen, Colorado, as we will welcome the Chiefs into town, Broncos Chiefs, and we're going to do a tailgate party with Bro uh, uh, Justin Brunson, Proud Souls folks, um, any Ch Cheeto, yeah. please come. Dustin, you've got a, a gig that night with yeah, Comcast, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. We always get, like to get we'll be down there with the the Chiefs and everything. And this trash oh, truck. Okay. Look at that trash truck with the it's food beautiful. trailer behind it. One beautiful. one owner, always garage, low miles. <laughs> yeah. I see that. <laughs> Chef Cheeto joining us. Chef Cheeto Ariola back on the Modern Eater show. A couple of three minutes. Where do you even go? Here you go. You're into a distillery and you're dreaming up menu ideas. I know you didn't consult with Dustin and ask his opinion anything food wise, or did you? Yeah, not really, just the the whiskey jam. That yeah. said, hey, do you want to? Can I get some free whiskey so I can make the jam? So, yeah, I get a bottle a week. So I haven't half seen of the any, bottle I goes in there. Jam yet. <laughs> What's on the menu, Chito? <laughs> the menu we have poke uh, tapas from Chef Peter around. He's an ACF member here. Then panadas are his too, so they're made here locally. That's what we were wondering. Nice. Um, we got Nashville chicken. We got some sliders. Uh, some tacos. We started getting some tacos, which I'll bring one of the our taco sampler platter, and you'll nice. see it. It's so cool. Uh, so yeah, that's just experience, and just wanted to have some fun and something good for the whiskey that he's making here. Uh, the crowd here, everybody's like super cool, and they're not like old that they just want cheap food and which is pretty cheap too <laughs> wow cheap, i mean you know like there's yeah. some places you can't really serve okay, this type so, of food so this is more open-minded customers so that he's got here so. chef che chef cheeto says uh, if you're old and want cheap food don't come <laughs> to rocker spirits because it's not the place for <laughs> go you go to dinner with greg on sunday <laughs> <That's right. laughs> or after the show cheeto truly uh, and here brian here's we we joke a lot but in a little bit of seriousness, as we've grown throughout the year with the mon or years with with the modern eater, that the network of folks, the, the great chefs and brewers, distillers, and this whole family that we've created, to see these introductions of guys that look like they've known each other for years yeah. and years and years, it just warms my heart to see you two clicking along just fine. It's pretty and, awesome, um, dude. Thank you for the whole connection because of you guys. I met Dustin, and now we're BFFs. You would have found him. Yeah. Oh, you're BFFs. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I didn't know that. I, I, I didn't look at my Facebook page. <laughs> but, but the one thing that is, I just think it's common common belief and in, in, in integrities that Cheeto has and I have and the work ethic behind everything. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, we got to break off to the top of the hour. Locavore Brewing Company is going to be coming up. Chef Cheeto is going to be working hard. And uh, we'll be back for hour number two coming up. How about a bite to eat? It's time for the second course, hour number two of The Modern Eater. What are you hungry for? Here's to a meal we're all here for. Delicious and tasty. Now we're getting to the good stuff. With your hosts, Greg Hollenbeck, Jay Parker, and Brian Freeman. Oh, yeah, we can do this. You better believe it. Here it is, live from Rocker Spirits at The Modern Eater Show, hour number two. Greg Hollenbeck, Brian Eater, Jay Parker. The whole cast and crew here as the sun sets on Littleton and Rocker Spirits. It's a blustery evening in the Mile High City. It's the last show of September as we barrel into October. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think, you know what started, you know what season started just a couple weeks ago? Yeah. What is that? Fall, man. Come okay, on. thanks. 
That's, you're not talking sure, yeah. to Jay, and that's like the most rudimentary <laughs> thing in the world, the seasons. And Jay, Jay come Parker on, say doesn't something, seem Jay. to know. Listen, man. Jay Rocker, say something, baby. No, no, so that's one of those things where, honest to goodness, man, I don't like to get into geography or seasons and stuff. There's four because of them, bro. I, really, I know, but it's just. Here. That's it's, like not knowing your sister's name or if I she's older or younger than you. doesn't have a sister. I don't know. It's not like that. But I can remember. I mean, I can name them. I just don't know the order they go in or when they you know what month we're in? Yeah. Where are we right now? Rocker spirits, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, the, the Jay Rocker. Yeah, the tasting room is filling up, and uh, Saturday evening, the events. This is a perfect place to do an event, whether it's a birthday party or a company function, to um, just buy out the distillery is a cool thing. You know, as we talk about food quite often, we love our beer too, Brian. Yeah, and well, and speaking of names, there's a name that you have to have if you want to work at this place. Apparently, you didn't know that. No. It is purely a family affair. This next guest we're going to have on, everybody there has the same last name. Worst segue I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Uh, Locavore Beer Works here with us right now. And they, Jason and Andy, welcome to the show. Good to see you guys. How's it going, guys? Good. Well, there's actually a, a, a really weird coincidence that we didn't even know about, but we're going to try a beer tonight. Um, and, and you can check it out live on Facebook streaming as well, that you barrel-aged in a rocker barrel. We did. That's cool, man. You probably do that often, though, right? Well, we make, uh, this is our kind of our annual anniversary beer, the Black Pearl Big Imperial Porter, and we age it in many, many barrels. But we did a variant uh, in, in one of Dustin's uh, bourbon barrels this year, so we're excited to try it. We're going to give it a shot tonight. We're, we're the first? You are the first. It's it to try this one. Guys, we'll start at the beginning. Locavore Beer Works, where are you located? Up in uh, Littleton, right? Just 1.5 miles from here, a corner of Bulls and South Black Canyon. Not far, Brian. Not far at all. Well, I want to know more about this. You guys, I, I was no, not joking when I said everyone there is a guy. Did you not know that? Yeah. Greg, did My you last see this? name? Yeah. Everyone. It's all family. Family affair. I love it. I, that's a big family. I mean, look I at know. every single person on here. You've got to have some cousins. Is this just all wives and husbands? We're, we're, tell me there's cousins. Did everyone change their last name? Is it a cult? What, yeah. what, tell us where did we go with this. Everybody is guy there. Everyone hey, is J- Jason guy, Andy guy, Kyle guy. Gender neutral. Yeah, just all <laughs> hey guy. I remember the first So I don't know if you guys know this, Jay Parker here, but they were on the show in 2018, like early 2018, right? You said. Like, they didn't even. Way back. <laughs> I mean, well, I, when we ran into Jason at Proud Souls and I was like, I think that we had you on the show. He's like, I wouldn't. I don't think so. And I'm like, I think so. But it's been a minute. But anyway, when I was doing research, I was on the website and saw the guy thing, guy, th- and I genuinely thought that. I'm like, everybody there's he's got the same lab. What a trip, you know? Not the case, though, right? You just Not the case. So, um, you know, just like Brian could remember my name a few minutes after we met, um, that's when we said, hey, guy. And that's how it came about. So oh, you, really? So you recognize someone, you yeah. remember the name, just hey, call him guy. guy. Hey, yeah. guy. I was like, how are you doing today? Yeah, hey, guy. <laughs> Funny that- Way off topic, but high school party, in a, and people are sitting around, and guy was the thing. Hey, guy, you know, this, that. And I said, you know, it's it's really dumb that people are calling each other guy all the time. And guy goes, my name's Guy. Ooh, my name's Guy. Total foot-in-mouth moment. And he wasn't a little dude either. He was a big guy. 
So uh, I backpedaled on that one right away. Like, I love Guy. You know, too bad they're bastardizing your name, man, by throwing that around all the time. But you're right. I mean, everybody just simplifies things, right? Makes it a little bit easier in an awkward moment. What's happening down there? I mean, uh, a lot of times neighborhoods and breweries are something that the neighborhood really embraces. The brewery, you get a good following that comes through there. How's your neighborhood treating you guys? Treating us well. Yeah, we're, we have a lot of uh, a strong group of locals that have been with us right from the beginning. And so when you go in there on uh, Thursday or Friday or if they're a Tuesday guy, um, you see them all the time. So that's nice. We've been that, – that side of uh, Littleton has definitely taken us in. Um, so do you refer to your customers as guy too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The guy thing's right. Yeah. We, we, even, we even had a beer line where we were trying all kinds of different um, single – variety hops in these IPAs and that was all hey guy was just the name of the beer you, you know were trying I mean? some so like, single guys lots of single guys yeah <laughs> single hop guys so we were pretty we were really we were really you know guy intensive there early on now we're not not as much yeah. now but yeah how long you guys been around it'll be five years on uh, November 14th so five years yeah that's when you know there's no turning back now no it's over now it's too late now yeah. where did locovore come where'd the inspiration for that come well, um, yeah, so when Andy and I were trying to come up with a name, um, you know, we couldn't agree on anything. We like to fish, come up with some fishing names, stuff like that. But uh, Andy was uh, wordsmithing our business plan and used the word locavore as in our attitude or approach towards um, how we wanted to source a lot of our, our stuff, you know, whether it be chairs or uh, tables. And uh, one day just looking at it, it's like, hey, why don't we just call ourselves Logavore Beer Works? Yeah. Can't agree on anything else. The wives still didn't like it, but we did, and that's what counts. That, well, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, unless they're there every day. Like you, are one, they? one of them is. One of them is. Okay. Um, so local, right? Absolutely. Well, well, that's our thing. We love local as well. What's your thing with local? Yeah, well, we try to get as much of the ingredients we need. And it, gets, it gets easier every year, but this beer right here, this uh, seasonal of ours, is called Ankarinka's Tea. It's a wet hop IPA, and that's an all-Colorado um, So do you get, beer. like, high-wire hops? Or yep. yep, this is exactly high-wire hops. Um, you know, grain from Alamosa. We Proximity. We're yeast in-house for the most part. I, I so. actually have a cool little um, – keep. Ta- I'm sorry, guys. I have some fun I'll show you here while we're going. But to keep talking about sourcing. Oh, so whenever we get an opportunity to source – Something uh, local that we just yeah. jump on it. Well, let's try it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. What else can you source locally? Well, right now it's grain and um, some hops, and there's a couple yeast labs in town, so there's yeast available. And uh, and then, like Jason said, you know, artisan, artisans and craftsmen for table making in the shop and uh, whatever, just anything else we can get our hands on. Uh, tables. We came across a cool rockless table. Um, at the Colorado Restaurant Show, which just blew my mind to think the, you know, every single table has a little Give rock it to a it. Little wobble. Little, they, these don't. I mean, somehow this guy figured it out. What are we drinking here? This is it. This is Ankarinka's tea. Oh, that's what I'm drinking. Yeah, right you've had, you had a little delicious, a little preview of that. So the the yeast we use is actually named Colorado IPA yeast. Uh, it's all Colorado malt, all Colorado hops. Yeah, the hops are all Chinook, single uh, single hop, all from High Wire. From the brewer notes, what would you say? What are your brewer notes here on this? Well, this is a kind of a more of a... Okay, well, so before we got off the... I wouldn't say off the rails, but 
if you remember a few years ago with West Coast IPAs, there was kind of an arms race, right, to see who could put the most foliage in an otherwise clear West Coast IPA to see if they could actually melt your face off. And then maybe two years ago, we stopped that and went to the a lot of the hazies, right, which are more about the flavor of the hops but not the bitterness. This, Ankarink, has kind of persisted the whole time. It's a West Coast IPA but more in the English style, so it's a little bit more malty. And uh, the hops, you know, the Chinooks are, have a little bit of that citrus component but more would be more on the piney side and just this time of year. It used to be a flagship, but now we brew it once a year with the wet hops. And uh, it's just dank. That's how we describe it. Nice, yeah. Dank with a little that. malt backbone. Yeah. How many beers are you guys brewing? Uh, we have 20 on tap at any time. Woo. But we have way more that uh, either, A, haven't made it to the tap room yet, just waiting for their turn. I think we've probably done about 80... 80 so beers since we've opened different recipes yeah. yeah we have a we've become kind of a a big seasonal thing that's kind you of our you have a pilot jam. system that you can do small batches on no uh, so we just, just go all in you just in go the dark. all yeah. in what were, what were some of your favorites over the years over the years well these right the ones that we bring back every year now like our uh, um, Jolly Farmer the watermelon wheat that we bring back about the 4th of July every year uh, the Heisenberg, the green chili roasted green chili pale ale that comes back in the end of August. I love that. Wet Hop Onk. We'll get out Santa's uh, secret sauce later on. Uh, and um, and then in the springtime now, we've just developed, or Jason just developed a new one, a Limelight, which is a key lime Kolsch. That's probably going to end up being one of our staples moving forward, too, when we get warm weather. Yeah. Are you guys entering this into any beer competitions, or where, oh, where, yeah. what do you feel about that? Yeah. Is there anything happening here next week? Yeah, I'm, I've heard there's something going on next week, but I haven't really seen much advertising about it. It's going to be uh, a blur by the end of the week, I'll tell you that. <laughs> now, are you guys, are, so are you guys exhibiting? Yeah, we're there. We're um, this year. We're in just a, kind of the standard booth. You, for the last three years, we've been in the meet the brewer section where we staff the booth. You know, we have eight people there all the time and a lot of interaction with customers and so forth um, at the GABF. This year, we have uh, just a standard booth, so we'll have some of the volunteers helping us pour, and that's Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and it has that big um, competition component too. So those award ceremonies. We'll be Saturday morning, <laughs> so we'll go there. We'll go there as we've done for four years now to get, um, you know, disappointed, but then come home and have a big party with our investors. So nice brewers. Nice. Well, more, good luck to you guys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Brewers more and more are very conscious about what categories they're entering their beers into. Yeah. Um, is that something that you found that let's just make sure we're entering the right category? That's you know that's always a challenge because there is a a part how we uh, interpret. The, the the guidelines and maybe we're on on the market and maybe we're not this year i was just trying to uh, shoot for the earliest categories in the announcing so we can get out of there and you know start having a good time but uh i've never heard that strategy yeah i mean it we, we're in category three four seven and then andy threw in the monkey wrench when we're in 84 so mm. we're going to be there the whole time so um uh, have they always it's four categories you can enter Is five five well the other one's 58 so i was like nah I'll skip to the end, but uh, we'll be there for the whole time. So we have uh, we're entering our our, our key lime Kolsch. In which category? That'll be our fruit beer, American fruit beer. Okay. Actually, so um, so that that you know that's the tricky thing about a competition is that the judge is gonna say, oh, a Kolsch, and then then they're gonna evaluate it being a Kolsch, and the lime secondary. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of uh, figure out 
how that beer fits into a category and then uh, add it correctly, I guess. That's always been like that. There's been a lot of great beers that um, can't win because the categories are, are narrow or such that they just don't fit in, yeah. right? And it could be the best beer in the world, and they're take they're just right away right. if it they're doesn't right. meet that criteria. They, they don't gone. have a key lime. They don't have a, a fruit Kolsch category, so you have to kind of figure out how do I put this in. Well, it's not a wheat beer, which is the other fruited sure. category. So it's well, it's, I guess it's American wheat then. And yeah. well, I want to try another one. What's, okay. what's first the, one was great. Yeah, as we're pouring, I'll ask a couple but of another questions. Another seasonal. Yes, please. Pumpkin. Some people sure. are pumpkin divisive. Yeah, and we'll talk about the, the <laughs> pumpkin divi- the division, division. In, in pumpkin. Um, as, as far as the Great American Beer Festival itself, you know, those medals carry a lot of weight. They do. But is the weight still as heavy as they have been in years past by where, winning a medal from the Great American Beer Festival? Well, asking me, I'm going to say yes, because okay. if I ever managed to get one, you know, there's... That was my next question. If 8, you guys ever medals. 8,000 of us, not in the GABF, have taken, uh, uh, well, a lot of medals, but not in GABF. We have not cracked that Is one. Is that the coveted right there? That's that's the stone? I think between that and World Beer Cup, Yeah, right? that and World Beer Cup, I think, are the two, are the biggest. So if you medal on those, you have um, beat out Some a clouds. tremendous amount of other people. Now, what will that yeah. do for you, other than bragging rights? Will you sell more beer? I don't think so. I mean, among, you might, there might be some, people might follow you just because they're saying, oh, that guy got a medal, so I want to go try it one time. Yeah. But then after that, I don't know. Jason Good for your ego. We'll blow up our heads. Yeah. 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 Which isn't a bad thing, right? I mean, it gets you out of bed a little bit earlier in (laughs) the morning. Well, you guys, I'm surprised Greg didn't go to another angle on that because Greg is... Got some very strong feelings about the GABF. And I'm curious about what what your guys' feeling is. Has it grown to a level of where it's not really representative of smaller guys like is that is that brian or greg talking i'm no i'm just curious that's brian question let's answer that question when we get back from a break if you don't mind okay i think it's a good conversation because i will uh state my opinion i have strong feelings on it too do you really all right logovore beer works here with us at rocker spirits we're sitting outside sipping on beer and spirits i mean how much better can you get than that kyle moyer from bogey's beer and wine is uh here with us and his kids it's just a really fun night here at Rocker. We encourage you anytime you can to get down here and try some spirits and go to Locavore Beer Works as well and uh, just be one of the guys. There you there. <laughs> That's how it works out. Okay, we'll break away. We'll come right back from the uh, Rocker Spirits, the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. All right, you guys, back to the show in just a second. But before we do that, it's bread time, and 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 more specifically, it's Aspen baking time. Aspenbaking.com, all natural bread, no preservatives, no artificial coloring, no chemicals in any of their bread. And any of their bread includes hoagies, focaccia, ciabatta, baguettes, croissants, bear claws, lobster rolls, pound cakes, coffee cakes. Jay, slow down. They do more than bread. Yeah, they do. They do box lunches. Box lunches. That's right. So if I'm at the office and I want to buy my crew some lunches, Mm -hmm. what can I do? You can't. Well, you can go to AspenBaking.com and you can buy box lunches. They have two different versions. One comes with a little treat for the person that likes a little treat, and the other one doesn't come with a treat. So if your employees have been good but not great, you get them the one without the little treat in there. I am a man who likes a little box. That's right. Aspen Baking Company, you guys. Local bread, no preservatives, no artificial coloring, no chemicals of any kind. So if you want to get in touch with Aspen Baking, it's real, real easy. You ready? It's AspenBaking.com. 
more time. Denver, AspenBaking.com. Justin Brunson, Old Major, you're listening to The Modern Eater on iHeartRadio. Lunches, too. Oh, man. And, well, and it takes the, you back as a kid. The whole company, though, is did, a great Did company. you have a lunch pail? What's a, of course did I have a lunch pail. Come on, man. What do you think I had? What was your lunch pail? Oh, uh, you don't even want to know because you weren't, you weren't, I don't think you were born yet. I just got you? the plain one with garbage six, pail kids on there. Six million dollar man. Did you have a garbage pail kid named after you? No, no, Brian. Come on, man. That's just a seventy. Sure? Oh, there's got to be. Yeah, there's a yeah. million. He doesn't my, get what you're asking. There's was, a million of them. Well, yeah, we didn't. I didn't have. That wasn't my generation, man. My generation was like the six million dollar man. That's what we have. Oh man, I the, still have the Mighty Mouse Justice. I still you know? have Garbage Pail Kids in a box. Yeah, Grease oh. or Greg. I have the sticker. Grease or Greg. Yeah, yeah. That was it's mine. good. The garbage Pail Kids was uh, that was the stuff, man. What was yours, Jason? Do you, you know? Paper, paper bag. Paper. You did paper the brown bag. Brown bag. <laughs> I'm sure I had a lunchbox. I don't remember what it was. What about you, Andy? I'm no. pretty sure I had Scooby-Doo at one point. Scooby-Doo, sure. yeah. that's the good stuff right there. No. I had a big political conversation about that cartoon the other day. You know, oh, that, you know, know. that that's really deep. Scooby-Doo, man, lots of people didn't. Okay, and we... that was the crazy thing is that I was with someone who did not realize what Scooby-Doo was all about. That's the PCism that's going on, right? I mean, did you know that you remember that claymation Santa? Where yeah. Every yeah. year, what Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. like he's a womanizer, and he, he, you know, he, he holds these animals hostage. Oh, my and, lordy, lordy, lordy. We are the attack in the Sam. wrong place these days. Oh, there's one right there. Who's oh, that? Oh, look at Brainy Brian. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Hold on. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Is that, is that the one? Is that first series where his brain is yep. just coming out of yeah, the top coming of his head? That's funny. That's how Greg, you know, one time Greg, counted how many thoughts I had while I was asking a question. He's like, dude, you had like 13, 14 thoughts go through your head while you asked that you one have question. have a very active brain, Brian. <laughs> you have a very hey, active brain. In case brain. you guys were wondering, I didn't have a paper, but I got the little me- the tickets for the the underprivileged kids. Oh, boy. You know? The hotline. I got a, yeah, I got a little <laughs> ticket, so I had, and I had to wait in the poor kid line, you know, and get the free food. Oh, come on. Yeah, man. I swear. There's nothing to be embarrassed about that, though. Man. Well, you think I care? I just said it over the radio. <laughs> free food. <laughs> free food's the best food. <laughs> I got to tell you That's that right. right now. Okay, uh, back to Rockers Spirits and local poor beer works, guys, as we continue talking about GABF. And just my thoughts in a nutshell briefly, and we'll throw this back to you guys. More and more, there's breweries that I'm seeing that are not attending. They're, they're just not, They're lost in the mix. They don't see why, and they and they they like the idea of okay, I I get the camaraderie and other breweries and just being present. It's not necessarily that I want to be there anymore. It's just that I don't want to be left out. I don't, don't want to be left out. And and an association like the Brewers Association, that has grown so large as an advocate for the one-offs. I don't think Charlie Papazian even had any idea where this this brand would go. You know, a non-profit, but a very powerful brand. To have all of that as the evolution of just make more money, make more money, um, the the notion of continuing to hire the cap for folks like Jim Cook and Sam Adams to keep him craft, this craft name makes people so much money that um, it started to turn into, in years past, at the Great American Beer Festival, to where there were some brewers that would talk to me about it and say, Listen, I don't feel really comfortable with some of the breweries, these larger name breweries that are coming in and having a parent, a, 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 a presence at the Great American Beer Festival. And I just choose not to be a part of it anymore. And I think that that's where this downturn really came as far as attendance. Um, right, as you see now, Cheetos bringing out tacos. 
But Andy, I'll throw it to you, Andy. Your overall thoughts of the the state of the Great American Beer Festival right here, Denver, Colorado, soon to be probably New York. Right. Well, so I, uh, I mean, my thoughts are are this. Uh, it's the it's the hap happiest time of the year as far as I'm concerned. Right. So, if you if you take out or at least parse out the argument that um, Imbev's okay to be in the halls. Right. Well, I, so up uh, up until say two years ago, that was different. I would say that last year's um, last year's beer fest was a little bit different. I saw a lot a lot less of the of the of the majors and uh, and certainly a lot less of the foreign ownership, right? And so I thought last last year was was a little bit better in that regard. Um, as far as the our friends who aren't going to go, we hear mostly that it's it's you know it's not cheap. I mean this is the Brewers Association's you know premier fundraising event for the year. What's it's, it cost for the bare bone basics? Just throw a sign up, pour beer. Um, well. To take all your beer, and I think because um, entry gets you into the competition, so that I'm going to say that the at the minimum is uh, about six to eight hundred bucks to get out there. It's was a lot more not than that. O- when not we over had, the top expensive though. No, and you spend for us no. But see, if I don't you were, buy the price. I don't buy that there are certain breweries that are coming, and you know I can name names, and they probably wouldn't even mind if I named their names. Um, that the money never came up. Right. No, the breweries. So the breweries that I run across are well. First of all, we're we're always busy, so there's going to be uh, you know there's a time requirement. There is uh, the price for what they think, uh, at least exposure at the festival itself. Maybe they think that's not worth the money. Plus I'm not. There's labor too. You got to yeah, man. Yeah. Well, there's you and know, if you're if you if you're an out of state brewer. The, the costs go way up because Absolutely. you're sending people to help do it. You're trying to, you know, transporting uh, equipment and so forth. Um, but for us, I, everybody spending that kind of money for the Brewers Association keeps all of our dues every year reduced to some rate. And nobody can argue, at least nobody our size can argue that we don't. There isn't return on that value um, from being a part of the Brewers Association. If nothing alone, then the uh, political advocacy, you know, that they watch out for. All of us, the you little know, I've ones. always been confused with that. Give me a couple, like two, three, like very tangible things that says, here's what they did, political advocacy that actually turned out in well, our so favor. Here, the biggest one was to be, uh, they worked on the reduction in our federal excise taxes by 50% on beers, uh, on 50% per barrel of beer uh, for breweries less than the 65,000 uh, barrels a year. I don't want to. Way, way higher could, than us. So. Way higher than us. I could, you know easily misquote that but beginning at the at the beginning of last year you know they were backing the bill that allowed us to pay you know, save 50 percent taxation wise mm-hmm. that's a big thing they are working um to streamline all of the laws in the you know in the three-tier system you know it's different we have so many different state laws in this like we're blessed in colorado and that's one of the reasons we have 450 some breweries now and they can all self-distribute and all of us can go down to i can think of probably four or five stores within six blocks of here and we can all go get a bunch of really great beer is that the same in texas or in mississippi not so much right so the 
there's a there's a, a, a real variety of laws, and I think that the BA is well, helping to But the Brewers Association is not just Colorado. I mean, that's the Colorado Guild. So Texas would go under the handle of Brewers Association. That's their guild, well. but the our parent company, if you will, the na- at the national level is going to be the Brewers Association. They are the one with that. There's obvi- obviously all the political advocacy at the state level comes from the different guilds, and we have a good one here in Colorado. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I think it's good money. I think it's money well spent to have the BA helping advocate for advocate for beer and advocate for us politically too. But with like you, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of having a, you know, a 15 million barrel um, a year brewery owned majority by a European company, you know, out here slinging one ounce samples with us in uh, in this festival that's supposed to be about what made it good. You know, it seems like you're coming along after the fact to get people to like your product and earn a lot of money, whereas some of the other people there just want to get noticed. Mm-hmm. Let, and so, let me ask a question, though, about that money thing there. Because, Andy, you bring up a point that we we, we talked about the other night. Is, is Isn't it hard for a smaller brewer to really compete at scale? If is it is it harder for you to break through the hobby? And if maybe all that somebody wants to do is just have a hobby business, you know, where, where it's keeping your family and the families around you, you know, positive, positive cash flow. But where, at what level, you know, do you say, am I, am I doing what I can for my industry? Am I, am I really doing what I can for my community if I stay small or as, as I get bigger and then that thing of, well, if I get bigger, then I, I might have to consolidate or distribution becomes, you know, how do you get a good distribution? That's very interesting. And I think there was a article published by the Brewers Association, I think about a year ago, talking about the most profitable profitable mar- model for a brewery, a craft brewery. And it was 80% taproom, 20% distribution, to okay. where you really had to get back to the fundamentals of your taproom. That's tap us. Room. That's, that's, I mean, that's our our business plan. If, if the window was ever open for us in the last five years to make that next, uh, you know, leverage 12 to $30 million for an off-site production facility, get into 19 states, um, you know, with the partnership with the distributor. If that window had ever been open for us, that was five years ago. Not now. Now that's, in my opinion, I would think would be the recipe for failure. Start, have a couple good beers, people like you, break ground on that massive production facility, work out a distributor arrangement and get into 29 or 39 states and then and then fail a couple yeah. years later. Have we reached the cap? Are, I mean, are we starting to say, you know, it used to be, and we, we joked about it on the show, that, oh, another brewery just opened up. Now it's turning into, oh, another brewery's closing down. Right. I still don't think we're, we talk about this every year at our investor meeting for just for fun, but I don't think we're uh, at the net zero point yet, but there are a lot more failing um, than there used to be. But I don't think we're, it's not like where you have to, you know, one guy has to die for you to be able to open. I don't think we're quite here to that, especially in certain markets that are, there's still markets that I see around the country that are underserved by that tap room local beer model, which is, that's our yeah. model, and that's that's the way we want to keep it. So. And is that conducive to growth over last year? To continue, it's, to me, and, and I wish I could really articulate these thoughts, but, and I talk about the, the Brewers Association, but the model is, craft it's this niche it you're supposed to be micro you're sub, that's your model but is that a model that's conducive to actually growing a business and continuing to get bigger and bigger to possibly one day maybe sell maybe not maybe just be a bigger brewery with large distribution channels but you can never get to that point 
you know, and I guess Jim Cook from Santa Adams is a great position to where he actually probably has to ask, hey, can you raise the barrel limit so I can still stay into craft? But are, is it a model of that you're just eating yourself? We're craft, we're micro, we're craft, we're micro, but we're trying to grow. Then we do grow, and then maybe you get sold to somebody and then know that you're, you're, you've bastardized your product. You're no longer craft. You're, well, what is Blue Moon? That, that's what I, w- I would just ask that question. It's an interesting right there. It's I mean, an interesting thought model on how how do you how do you get stronger, better, more profitable than last year? Continue to stay in that ethos of craft and micro, to where, you know, the end game. If if you want to make more money than last year and continue to grow, you, you're going to have to, at some point, um, cut those corners. Well, you know, I think it it goes deeper than just saying. Um, if I produce X amount of barrels, I'm no longer craft because we face over the last several years. And I just heard another rumor on the radio that the minimum wages that people want minimum wages go up to like, what, 15 bucks an hour. Well, how do we as a neighborhood brewery afford all of our staff, all of our brewers, pay ourselves salaries, pay our rent and not grow and not grow because we need to make more money to pay for these imposed absolutely things that they're out of our control we i mean i want people to make more money get don't get me wrong but there's this it's the snake eating the tail right it's just okay well now we have to grow to pay for our sales guy well look at the new and now we hired another brewer those, to yeah. give the sales guy more beer to sell yeah, yeah. to make less money on but we, we so we work really hard to make a dollar yeah the culture is interesting because i think that the, the craft beer drinkers really uh, they they like that this isn't huge corporate special interest beer. Uh, at the same time, and you look at like business dealings like Ballast Point when they were acquired. Should you not like Ballast Point anymore? You know, is that if if there's a craft brewery that's picked up by uh, you know Imbev, but it's still in their portfolio and they keep all the same people, should you take off your hat that you went to their brewery for the longest time and said this is not the beer I'll drink anymore because of that? Hey, uh, Jay, right? Parker. What are your thoughts? You're like, yeah, right. I, I can ju- I'll solve it all for you right here, Jay Parker. So here's what it is. So craft beer, and you start small, and you're a micro brewery, and then you start small, and the, the bigger you get, and the bigger you get, and the bigger you get, and then when you're at a point like Sam Adams, where people start to argue, are you craft anymore? Are you not? It's like that's just the evolution of it. A and business, right? A and, business. and you can't economics. You can't go back. So you just have to decide, and then and then make your argument when you do interviews, and go listen. You can call me craft. You can call me not craft you know like honestly i don't have time to care about it anymore because i'm running a business i'm making the beer i think the, the right way and if you want to call me craft great and if you don't th- then don't that craft makes a lot of money for a lot of people and the brewers association would have never put that upside down beer bottle on there to be able to delineate that you're not a part of this these large conglomerate companies that own these brewing companies at the same time that's exactly what the brewers association is facing is that they had to continue to grow and grow Make the Great American Beer Festival bigger, better, better, more profitable than ever. And then what did that lead to? Imbev in the in the halls of the Great American Beer Festival. It's the model of growth. It's economics. It doesn't fit in with craft, though. My two cents on the Imbev being there is that is that they just don't want to turn down the check. You know, but you have I mean, to. Can, can you, you have to. Why? Well, I mean, I agree with that because if you're following the model of what GABF is supposed to be. How many times right? did large beer... Uh, we have to break? Okay, we have to break. Thank you, Ed. Are you telling us to break? 
Yep, we were in a heated conversation there. Okay, break. We'll come right back to Rocker Spirits, and uh, it's the final half an hour right here uh, on the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Hi, Michael Myers from Distillery 291. I'll say whatever you want me to say. <laughs> That'll get me in trouble. <laughs> Ride it like you stole it, drink it like you own it. You're listening to the Modern Eater on iHeartRadio. Talk about going off the rails. There, you were making reference. We did that just then. I think the conversation's fascinating, and I'm not one. I'm going all all days to the, and I'm going to go to their parrot event. And still, really, it's the it's the best around. And I wish the best for the Great American Beer Festival to be the exact festival that Charlie Papazi and what was 30 years ago when he started out, and he was trying to figure out how to get these kegs of beer into Denver itself. And there was no social media or internet or anything else. He was just trying to rally people together and bring. Convey on Boulder, Colorado, to have a beer festival, and look how it's grown. And really, that's the model of business. And I, my fear is that craft beer isn't built for scaling and getting bigger. And that—that's just truly the the end of that. And 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 you know, everybody has an opinion on it. Well, it's hard. I think business period is hard because you have to decide. You know, in my industry, little guys don't don't make it anymore. I mean, in in the food world, because the margins are so thin, you're talking about two and three pennies on the dollar bringing to the bottom line. And the reality is, is you have to at two and three cents. You know, I mean, think about it, folks. Ten million dollars. That two hundred thousand dollars is nothing at the end of the year when trucks cost one hundred and thirty eight thousand dollars each. You know, so you got to be like a twenty, thirty million dollars. And then all of a sudden, am I not doing what I started to do, which was supporting the small farmers? And I think. There's a level where you have to keep that focus. And just like I would encourage you guys and every small brewer out there, keep your focus. Andy, set this up. What are we doing? All right. Like we uh, talked about earlier, this is our Black Pearl. It's kind of our flagship uh, big barrel-aged imperial porter that we launch on our anniversary every November. Which is? Which is November 16th this year. Yeah, big party down there at Locavore. Um, so we typically do these in, uh, in barrels, and we this year... Did a variant in the in the rocker bourbon barrel that we got from Ooh. Dustin and Nick. So yeah, he's a tough critic though. Because well, I mean, he, he I gotta, he hope, really gotta like hope he likes beer, it. What's that's the, like black gold. No, I like Dustin it over there. says that beer is. <laughs> there you guys. Oh, beautiful. Down short of glass. Whiskey is what? What's your deal there, Dustin? Whiskey is uh, what? What beer wants to be when it grows up? <laughs> one more time. One more time, there, sweetheart. <laughs> We, we've got our Houston, producer over we here. We have a problem. There Houston. we go. There we go. You're live. Now you've got would a problem you in your headset. But... Would you just cut this up a little bit and make me <laughs> would sound you talk better? About, <laughs> would you talk about that beer? All right. No, I just I always have fun with these guys. What they do is they're passionate just like us, but I always have a good time and say we uh, make what beer wants to be when it grows up. Fair enough. Whiskey. But right. I like me some beer. Let's see what we got here, guys. So, this so is, we're going to get this. We're going so to roll this into about this. November when it gets cold, starts snowing. This is the kind of stuff mm. you sip while you're... And it's watching a the stout, TV right? and stuff. Is that what is this? The porter, so a little porter, bit, uh, okay. a, a little bit less roasty, a little bit less yeah, hoppy than a big imperial stout. Okay. So it's more going to be more malty on the imperial porter side, but. So speaking of big boys, uh, Breckenridge Brewery actually did the ABV testing for us, so it's a bona fide 11.6. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Ooh, that's really good. Can't. I love it. Your light doesn't even penetrate through that, man. That is. Some <laughs> so this is yeah. This up. is the inaugural or the the. The maiden voyage, if you will. No one's tasted this until now. I'm going to awesome. tamp that down and drink it like scotch. And that just is sitting by a fire. That I'm not great. a big beer drinker, and I'll be straight up 
lying if I told you any different, but I drink this, honestly, and I'm not just doing that on the air. Yes. This well, if, is if someone can taste it, give them chocolate. the flavor. Yeah, I mean, it's got it's... some chocolate in it. It's just, gosh, it's good. When it's we good. Uh, when we barrel age, we rip a, a lot of oak out, right? So you can think of, like, leather chairs, pipe tobacco, chocolate, all that stuff that paints a pretty picture a of, of counseling that you sitting in the leather chair <laughs> all that, yeah right no. <laughs> it's all those things that makes you just want to be alone in the dark watching it <laughs> watching it snow alone in the dark thank you yeah. for describing my life <laughs> jason danny give the address again mm. 5950 south black canyon road go visit them littleton and if i could say one thing these guys are killing it over there we get so much great feedback for you guys in our place with we always get people to talk about what's going on in Littleton, and you guys are always in top conversation. So cool. kudos to you. Well, I, I actually friends. just saw a couple leave our brewery when we were on our way here, and then I watched them walk out of here too. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> nice. We share. Yeah, yeah, that's hey, very man, cool. I am down for it all the time. Good luck, Great American Beer Festival. It's uh, yeah, going to be luck, your guys. year, that's I'll for sure. Locavore Beer Works, we'll see them down there at Great American Beer Festival. Go say hi to them, and uh, we'll continue right here from Rocker Spirits. Now it's time for the Modern Eater's Booze in the News segment. I like my beer cold, my meat grilled, and my entertainment explosive. All we need is a, is a chair and a, and a cooler beer. Here's your booze news. Uh, not booze this time, but it is booze in the news, all the booze news you can use. But this time it's going to be really cool because Mark, our friend from True Bucha, is back with us. And we're going to talk kombucha. It looks like you got a bag of weed there. <laughs> kind of looks that way. It's a little bit of citra hops. So. Citra hops with us. Uh, we're in love with kombucha. We're in love with your product, True Bucha. First of all, where is your location? We are located in Lone Tree, Lone Tree, Colorado. And people can come in there and sample and taste, and you've got all kinds of cool little programs. Well, and a big deal is he's just started home delivery. Tell him about that, yeah, too. Yeah, we're actually starting up here in October, so we do all these different events throughout the year, and we do them all over the state, and people are like, you know, where can we get you guys' stuff? We live in Colorado Springs, or we live in Monument, or South Denver, and and so we just decided this fall we're going to start doing home delivery and delivering people their kombucha I'm your home. perfect customer for that, right? Since I drink so much of it. It probably saved me a couple dollars as well. By oh, absolutely. It. Yeah. Compared to going in the store, number one, you have to take the time to go in the store. You got to figure out what you want. This year, you can just do it from the convenience of your home. And Can I buy bulk? Oh, absolutely. We'll sell you as much as, you, as much as you want. <laughs> You're going to show us something here today. Where we left off is last time in studio. You showed us how to make just the raw form of kombucha before we sweetened it. And we haven't had a chance to sweeten our batch of kombucha, and we might even have to start over because we let it sit a little too long, right? Right, yeah. But you, what are you going to show here today? Well, so let's kind of revamp where we were at before. So we made our tea, we, we added our sugar, so we had the first fermentation, and then that's where it kind of sat. So happens a lot with people at home. They get busy. Life kind of takes over. Next thing you know, they got basically vinegar. <laughs> so so we're, we basically brought some new, uh, you know, that's already been you know, fermented, fermented for about 14 days. And so that's what's sitting in here. And that's what I got in these bottles right here as well. And so basically you can use any size of bottles, whether you're doing one gallon or you're doing a five gallon batch or, you know, our batches are, you know, 500 gallons. So you can kind of do whatever size of bottles you want. You know, people keep their bottles from Trubucha or GTs or whoever it is, and they'll just reuse those and start flavoring. So I've got a couple different flavors that we're going to do today. And uh, you can use juices, you can slice up fruit, you can do whatever you want to as far as, you know, coming or putting things in there. 
Um, so I got some rose petals, and where's my other bag at? Yeah, I got some citra hops here. I left it in the bag because it smells so good. So, um, okay, so that's where we're at. So we're going to put it in here. Um, going back to ingredients, high-quality ingredients. You, this is, you're putting this stuff in your body. You want good stuff. We just switched over to uh, Growers Organics, getting our ginger there from this summer, and that made a huge difference. It's so much better, so we're really pleased with that. As far as the amount goes, it's more up to your personal taste. Um, if you want it to be more sugary and have more flavor, go for it. Put more juice into it or put more fruit into it. You know, this is our ginger here, um, which is probably about uh, an ounce, a little bit over an ounce. So we got a 64-ounce growler here. We're just oh, going to wow. dump it right in there. Oh, wow. And then we're just going to put the lid on. Flavor to taste. And is, that, is anything feeding off of that, Mark, or is it just just the ginger's really flavoring at this point and it's not creating any food or anything for the for the kombucha itself? Yeah, ginger in particular, there's not a lot of sugar or anything in it, so yeah, it's just there that's going to create the taste. Now, kombucha loves ginger, so if you like your kombucha really kind of carbonated and, and so on, ginger's a really good one to put in there. This other one, we did pineapple, and I used about two ounces of pineapple in here. And then the last one, uh, we have some rose petals, so we're going to just do some rose petals. So the question would be is, is, well, if you're going to put these rose petals in there, how am I supposed to drink it after it's done? And the answer is you can just filter this out and put it in your glasses, and there you go. Or so, just go for it. Or just go for it. And, Mark, let me ask on, on like, the pineapple. Is that Are you taking just, like, a, any old pineapple juice or using fresh crushed pineapples or something like that? Yeah, so with us, we try to use as much fresh ingredients as we can. So, you know, getting fresh pineapples in, getting fresh strawberries in, and so on. Uh, you know, the, the rose petals, uh, I think the dried fruits are really important because a lot of times you go and you buy the stuff in bulk, and it's been sitting out, and it doesn't have that, that taste and everything that you can get if it's been sealed up and so on. So we really recommend, if you're going to do this at home, is to make sure that when you get a package of it, make sure it's sealed. Don't gotcha. buy it in open containers. So you're a big fan of if it's out there and you're seeing these unnatural ingredients, you know, if you're drinking a root beer kombucha or, you know, a cola kombucha, you're not drinking the best of purest of forms, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We you, we want to keep it as fresh as possible. We want we, we want to make sure that it's uh, the best that's out there. So I love what you do. And yeah, he's got a great program. Truly, what's on your face? I hate to spend the last minute with that man, but you, oh, you that? guys are serious. I don't know, man. Looks like you got hit by a car. Um, thank you. We want to keep following this. We love having you on the show. Uh, next time that you come in, uh, we're going to taste these right now. But I want to start looking at the ingredients that are fun ingredients for people to mix in. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. For their own kombuchas. Yeah, absolutely. Such a cool thing. Trubucha. What's the address again? Uh, 10047 Park Meadows Drive in Lone Tree. And your website? Yep. Yep, or Trubucha, T-R-U-B-U-C-H-A dot com. Good stuff. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Brian Freeman, great show here, Rocker Spirits. Next week, we're going to, you'll be in Hawaii. Yes, I will be. I, I will call in, though. Thank You're you. only four we hours difference. Briar Common is where we'll be. We'll ra recap uh, Great American Beer Festival. All's well in the world. Thank you, Jay Parker, and to Rocker Spirits and Dustin Evans. This has been a great show. We'll see you next week on the Modern Eater Show.